Hi guys, welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more as well as talking with guests on their different areas of expertise. Today, I was joined by Craig Hardingham. Craig is the owner and founder of Injury Active Clinic a sports injury clinic based across four clinic locations, all the way from Cambridge to Bishop Stortford. In today's episode, we talk about Craig's journey as a therapist from university into CrossFit and then into owning and running Injury Active, the place it's at now. We then dive into Craig's approaches to injury rehabilitation, the integration of strength training and building effective relationships with clients. With that, let's get into today's show. Cool. So we are live. Thanks uh, for joining me, Craig. We're back with another episode. Um, it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk all things kind of strength training, rehab, um, uh, physiotherapy, that kind of that kind of space today with, with uh, Craig. So first off, what would be great is if you could just give us a brief kind of intro of who you are, like how you got into the industry, what your what your journey's been like so far. Yeah, sweet. Um, so my name's Craig. Thanks for the introduction. Um, I own Injury Active Clinic. Um, so it's a sports injury clinic. Um, we're based along um, the M11 from Cambridge all the way down into uh, Bishop's Office. We have four clinics. Um, I guess I could start with, you know, at university, I ended up doing sports therapy. Um, so that was the degree that I chose to do, like a three-year kind of musculoskeletal degree. Really enjoyed it. I just knew that I wanted to stay within the sporting environment. So this kind of degree was perfect for me. And um, in the third year, we had to do some work experience and I ended up working at a football club. And quite quickly, I realised that you know working in a football club wasn't really for me. It was just, I don't know, it just felt like a, it was a bit of a dog-eat-dog world and whoever could stab each other in the back was the one that kind of like um, pushed through further. So soon after that, I ended up running a clinic for someone <clears throat> um, in Newmarket, actually. And... Um, I just had a lot of fun and you got to see so many variations in injuries and stuff. So that definitely appealed to me way more. Um, and after this, I ended up um, going to Australia um, and this is where I kind of found CrossFit. Um, I started training at CrossFit Sydney and I just felt like there was a big old kind of area there that I wanted to tap into dealing with people that like really enjoyed their training because it being exposed to CrossFit it made me realize that people really wanted to kind of go after this type of sport. So when I ended up coming back from Australia, um, I came back to Cambridge and uh, two months previous to this, CrossFit Cambridgeshire had just opened up. So I decided to start training there and, um, you know, just getting involved in their classes. Um, a few of my old clients got in touch with me and I ended up just working upstairs in their office. Um, and I was dealing with like their members, old clients, and um, just being introduced to way more shoulders than I'd ever obviously seen before. Um, and shoulders at university was definitely one of those things that we just didn't really like, shoulders and wrists. Um, but literally uh, had about a year, maybe 10 months with them at that place. And then we quickly moved on to a different location, a much bigger location. Um, a year after that, I opened up my own CrossFit gym. Um, it was called Liftoff CrossFit at the time. Um, and then I subsequently kind of opened up new clinics um, over the next four or five years. And so in total, four, uh, yeah, four clinics, like I said. And I've kind of just like since 2013, just, you know, been working in this environment where I'm dealing with recreational athletes. So like people like you and I that love to train, but also have a bit of a, either career or, or a studying and stuff. So it's a, 
exercise to you and I and to most people is a huge vice that we use to kind of like de-stress to kind of improve our health and it's just as important as compared to someone that's like professionally doing it so it's something that I really enjoy um and yeah and I guess over the years I've just found my way and that's obviously like the way that I've tried to direct injury active in terms of its treatment methods no that's awesome thank you so thanks for sort of giving us that kind of rundown of kind of your yeah your journey I suppose so far um from from university to now like I think it's interesting isn't it because having that having that perspective from both the I don't know what you call it call it um kind of private sector so what you're doing now versus the kind of more sports team it's a bit easier distinction somewhere like America where it's kind of collegiate or private but in the UK it's probably not quite as clear cut but there is still that working with a sports team athletes versus working in a private sector um it's interesting i think to get both of those perspectives because as you say like the 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 kind of the professional sport arena is um a very much a dog eat dog it's it's very competitive and i think it's for probably someone like yourself and kind of then the the path you've taken it's a little bit restrictive probably because you're you're kind of you have to fit within the structure of a of a team and how they operate versus yeah you said being able um, to do your own thing almost absolutely and not just that i quickly realized which i wasn't taught at university but you know my degree is very limited so obviously all sports teams are very much geared towards like the physiotherapy side of it i chose not to do physio because it just wasn't for me i, I realized that i just didn't want to go into hospitals i didn't want, want to be dealing with neural patients you know things like cystic fibrosis it just wasn't for me so I ended up doing sports therapy, but then when I got into football, it was only, um, you know, it was outside of the football league. And I realized that you actually, to be pitch side in, a, in the football league, you had to be a physiotherapist. So I was like, oh, straight away as well, it wasn't going to work for me. Um, so I didn't, I, if I was going to stay in that industry, I wanted to go, I wanted to go to the top. So yeah, I had to change my direction with that. And um, yeah, just coincidentally, I just enjoyed it so much more dealing with um, people that really want to help themselves as well. So yeah, in terms of like, so beyond university obviously as you say like some of the degrees or some of the kind of study you can do can be quite restrictive um and it's kind of fairly fairly limited i think in what in sort of the scope of practice that it allows you to operate within like what are some of the so from since graduating and sort of up to this point where are some of the educational routes you've you've sought out as a kind of a private practitioner business owner within in the space yeah i guess um early doors after graduating, it's just, you know, you try and find these um, websites and these companies that offer different types of programs. And it's one of them where you're like, okay, well, that looks good. That looks, that takes my interest or these are my weaknesses. So I want to get on, you know, early, early on, I, I remember going on a taping course. I went, I ended up going on just, especially the days that would involve different lecturers talking about different topics, love those. So there were a few around at the time, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then I remember falling in on one where um, it kind of just tapped into just my, my way of thinking a little bit more. So I always wanted to know, you know, why things happen. Why, why when we're running, do we pick up an issue in one side versus the other when pretty much we're going through the same type of loading? What's happening there? And I found like in the end, I just randomly fell on this course and um, it, it helped me kind of understand that maybe it's to do with a little bit more of our movement and our mechanics and as well as the, you know, the loading side of it, you know, there's just another alternative to that. So, and I ended up going on more of those courses, but it's really just off recommendations of what other people have said. 
um, and you know, you know, I guess like people that are out there that are quite popular online, and you know, I want to see what they're saying. Like one of the guys at the moment that I'm dealing with or going on a history of CBD courses is a Greg, Greg Lehman, quite a famous guy in the therapy world, in the physio world. So I'm just on his course, figuring out what he's teaching at the moment. Counter to that, then, how do you do you feel like so when you first went into the the CrossFit gym, CrossFit Cambridgeshire, and were then operating out there as a, as a physio or re rehab sort of specialist, like how valuable do you think that experience was being able to just get a, an influx of, of cases and people to, to be working with? Yeah. And I mean, that coinciding with me opening my own gym made me a better coach. And I realized that, you know, the way I treat, I want to coach as well, because so much of it is to do with understanding people's management of their load and their training. So we know with tendon issues, the majority of tendon problems come from training error. So we need to really understand, you know, the periodization side of things. We need to understand strength and conditioning. We need to understand why is their wrist hurting in, in the catch and the clean um, every single time? Well, we need to understand what's happening in that kind of whole movement. So that experience within the CrossFit world absolutely shaped the way I, I am as a therapist because it gave me so much exposure, firstly, to the different types of movements, got me really involved with the strength side of it, upped my training in that side of things as well. So I got to really experience like it personally. Um, and yeah, I got exposed to so many injuries in particular, you know, lower back, shoulders, wrists, knees, you know, all that sort of stuff. And certainly a lot more overuse injuries. So, you know, I've seen quite a lot of tendon problems over the years because of that. Yeah. I think it's, it's as you say, like, I think, and I think this is something probably echoed within strength conditioning, like with coaches. I think I don't, you don't need necessarily firsthand experience within a sport within a context to be able to then treat or coach someone within that necessarily but it's helpful certainly like having having that understanding of the kind of the demand someone um is coming in with but then beyond just the the physical side of it the mental side of it as well like understanding people essentially like understanding what drives someone because obviously yeah. from a pure physio point you might be like oh, okay well maybe just avoid doing this and then yeah. it's like, well, you telling someone to avoid doing that. So like, oh, maybe just don't do this in the gym. It's like, well, I enjoy doing that in the gym. So I want to go and do that. And it, it, it it's that kind of multifaceted approach that's beyond just the, the non-sports of physical yeah. skills. 100%. And obviously it's like runners, you know, runners really want to run. So telling them to rest, is almost just not going to happen. And it's the same in that CrossFit or that gym environment. People just really, really want to train. And I was one of those. So where I got to experience injuries myself, I knew I wanted to train so much. I was like, you know what, what can I do to carry on training? And that's where I guess it, it helped shape the way that I treat as a therapist. When we learned at university, it was, uh, if we pick up an injury, it was kind of stay away from the aggravating injury. And then let's try and start off with some modalities or start with some treatment. But actually it's just a small, after experience all of this myself and these injuries, you just need to try and make small tweaks. What can you carry on training that doesn't affect that? So for example, with shoulders going overhead, okay, well, let's avoid that, but we might get away with kind of horizontal pushing movements and certainly pulling motions. So I got to really experience that firsthand. And it took away the fear of, you know, um, being able to keep people training um, because I knew that it would work. I knew that in most cases, shoulder issues can carry on pulling and that keeps people training and it's obviously good for shoulder health as well which is is uh that's a kind of a, a refreshing change i think from what what has always been the tradition is just rest and avoid rather than ever getting back to actually where you were before because i mean in, and this is something i've kind of talked about before is that the idea of 
the point of rehab is not that you then keep doing that rehab forever and it's not that you then just avoid certain things forever it's a case of you actually want to get back to to where you were previously and it should then be set up and guiding you towards that yeah yeah the closer we can keep you to your task the less deconditioning you'll have and also the less distance there is to try and make up for do you know what i mean so let's say for example you're, you're experiencing shoulder pain on the bench press well what happens if we change your, the width of your grip if we can get away with that in a pain-free manner i'm going to keep you bench pressing the intensity might be a bit lower and you might be working at 50 percent of your kind of strength but at least there we're carrying on being task specific and you're still loading that shoulder in that same position. So it probably means we haven't got as far to come back from versus completely resting for six weeks. Everything else is deconditioned. And then we've probably got to be really careful building that load up again, you know? So it just, it's another way to help avoid it for future injuries as well. So I'm piggybacking on that, that, that kind of, that, that idea, like, I know this is obviously very context dependent, but what, what would you kind of see as some like the key, guiding principles where where do you start when you are initially assessing a new client an injury or or anything in that capacity so i think that the biggest thing here is trying to make them feel comfortable you have to build that trust it's a it's a it's the first date you have to be able to extract as much information out of them as possible because they're going to tell you the answers they're going to give you the information and you've got to make them feel comfortable so that's probably number one and number two coinciding with that is you've got to listen You've got to let them talk. You can guide the questions, but let them tell you as much as as they can about what's happening because it's just these small little things where you're like, okay, that probably happened there, that probably happened there. And it helps build this kind of portfolio to this injury um, and areas in which you can change. So I think that that listening will help you dig into their pain points. And when when you figure out those pain points, you might realise that that Achilles problem is not just because they've got you know, degeneration of the tendon, it's, it might be because deeper down, they've wanted, you know, that they're struggling with their mental health. Um, it's a big kind of um, exercise is a big uh, kind of thing that they use to help with deal with their stress or anything to do with weight loss and things. And that's the pain point. That's where you might be able to kind of adapt what you're doing to help them and continue to help them like de-stress or lose weight without the running, which may have caused that issue in the first place. And until you, and this is where you're successful is when you really are working on the same goals as they are. So you've really kind of got to listen and try and dig into those pain points. No, I think that's a, certainly a, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes yeah. sense as an approach because it's like if you just, if you're, if someone comes in and you, you go straight from jumping from A to B, kind of like yeah. come in, oh, got a shoulder issue, great, here's how we fix this. And you don't take the time to actually build up that, that rapport with someone that trust. Um, yeah. you're going to miss things and you're then going to potentially misdiagnose or, or, or you're going to not be treating them in the most optimal way, or they're just not going to do it. Yeah. Like that's the, I mean, how you must have so many people where you've like said, here's, here's a list of things that I want you to go and do. And they yeah. maybe get 30% of that done. And, yeah. but if you've built that trust up with someone, the likelihood is they're probably more likely to do the, the, the things, the rehab work that's going to actually help them get back to training. Yeah. And if they, if they know that you understand them, if they know that you're working with them on the same issues, then it's going to be way more effective for sure. So yeah, I definitely reiterate that listening is the most important point and then tapping into their pain points because, you know, that's when you feel that connection with someone and you're working towards it for sure. Do you think that that's, um, 
in part carried over from your coaching as well so yeah. was that kind of a shared trait between those um yeah i mean that is definitely it's, it's i think it's made me a bit more of an all-rounder um you know one of my things i say often is that i think you have to become a good coach and to become a good therapist as well especially dealing with people in the gym and doing it at sport because the coaching side of it is so important as as, as being a, a therapist you know we did do strength and conditioning modules at university but not much and we have to really understand a lot of that so yeah i definitely learned to um listen to people and figure out what works for them as well you know um because you're you've you've got exposure to so many different things and it's so many different people and you know that one rule does not fit with all of them so you just learn to you know figure out different ways which you can kind of tap into those those points really is that maybe where it differs a little bit from the kind of the traditional academic route or, or what you're taught in university because i know certainly from my experience is that you're not really taught the kind of n equals one model you're very much told like hit you see this you do this or yeah. achieve this goal whereas obviously in reality everybody's different nobody is the average yeah so it, is that something you you found through your 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 sort of business your career so far well yeah they, they at university they teach you the structure they teach you the the theory and stuff like that and it is kind of down down to you to find your own way you know for most things out there like they say look if this is this happens then this is probably what's happening but there's also research to, to suggest that it's not happening and it's the same with treatment modalities. so it's it's down to you to kind of make your own decision on things and figure out the direction that you want to go in and that's why our therapists are so different you know and it is down it is an opinion opinions game really it's about what you think um is going on and probably the tweaks that you can make to to try and improve them so yeah it's it, i mean it's why therapy therapists kind of really vary in terms of their treatment methods and their thought processes for sure and like i said i've been shaped massively by my experiences and being involved in a crossfit gym and dealing with all those people has definitely helped with that yeah no certainly it's an interesting demographic as well i think uh, the kind of the crossfit community you've got yeah. some some interesting characters that kind of get drawn towards crossfit as a kind of a mm -hmm. as a whole yeah um, and I'm, I'm sure that makes i mean i know it certainly makes some interesting coaching so i'm sure from the therapy side of it as well it's no yeah. different absolutely absolutely um you know it's not just crossfit these days is it you know crossfit is definitely like kind of died down but it's the group class models that, or it's the gym goer you know they love training they're, they're just as keen as the, the the rower the cyclist the runner as well you've seen more enthusiasm for for training in the gym over the last 10 years what i have for sure so um yeah and it's nice and really rewarding actually when you're kind of dealing with those sorts of people because they're desperate to get back to their kind of training so have you seen that more maybe that shift then away from kind of like the recreational athlete within a kind of a, a traditional sport to those that just their kind of their only training is is within the gym um in cro crossfit class model whatever that kind of space is have you seen more of that shift I think so. I think so. Um, I think they're more popular these days. I think gym training in, in its entirety is kind of um, in, increased in popularity for sure. So I'm definitely seeing more people that want to do that as well, um, especially compared to my first clinic where I was probably seeing a lot more triathletes. I was seeing a lot more, you know, runners, especially. In, yeah, I was based in Newmarket, just north of Cambridge. Um, whereas being in Cambridge myself is, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen way more, uh, a bigger population of gym goers for sure. Do you see that real benefit in having close ties or even obviously operating out of a gym like in terms of the 
the kind of holistic benefit you can add to those 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 members um yeah i mean treating someone you have to go in all different avenues you have to figure out you know what's their stress like how's their sleep you know what's their nutrition like and therefore you know that alongside actually trying to figure out what's wrong with their training volume what they've done incorrectly in terms of a lift or where they might not be bracing properly during a deadlift or something you have to take this multi kind of faceted approach to try and fix someone's problem um and the more experience and more exposure you get to different fields the better you become at that mm, certainly taking it sort of a different approach now like thinking nuts and bolts of therapy like what what do you see the like the, some of the key elements and what changes from targeting kind of like early and then into late stages of rehab like what what do you see as the process what how do you work through that process of clients well this is obviously massively individual um so you know one size doesn't fit all but what we try and implement here at injuryactive we try and stay as task specific as possible so we're going to look i mean that what does that look like that looks like um let's say for example we have a runner that comes in um they've got a knee issue well what can we do to keep them running you know that might be managing their kind of early stages it might be managing um the acute phase of it a little bit so it might mean that we just have to scale back completely and just keep weight bearing and, and doing long walks instead of the running um it also means that you know we're going to actually look at their running and we're going to see what we can do to improve that kind of a uh, whole kinetic chain from the foot all the way up what's what joint do we think do we see that isn't functioning right that might have a nice carryover into their symptoms and, and what almost instantly feels better um i think the task specific side of it is something that we really go after um and therefore understanding that and and alongside periodization of what we should be doing when that kind of helps bring that in as well um because you know with an aggravated tendon in running the last thing we're going to do is probably add like heavy explosive kind of uh jumps in that into that um, injury because we probably think that that's at the wrong stage for that so i think you've really got to understand the periodization side of it when to apply what based on that, that healing stage hmm. Um, so, you know, in the late stage, that's when we can get a bit more creative. That's where we can really like get heavier, a little bit more powerful and, and stuff like that, because tendons obviously need to be um, exposed to, to the load of their sport. And, uh, you know, you need to make them ready for that. Yeah, certainly. And I think in from a kind of a prehab perspective, so even with someone who was, is obviously had a repeat injury or, or even those that are just looking to kind of proof themselves, injury proof themselves or whatever, you want to term that like it's that same thing isn't it it's kind of identifying these are the, the stresses these are the loading this is the forces involved in this activity and how how well can we prepare tissue so runners is a good example of this people who get into running and from a sort of a tendon ligament perspective probably have no business doing the, the level of running or the the kind of the speeds and paces they're trying to push um yeah do you do much work in that in that respect obviously you, you obviously work with people who are injured but do you do the opposite side of that do you do the the kind of the prehab stuff as well prehab stuff in regards to getting people ready for surgery not so much but you know i often find that if i have people come into me with a um, chronic issue that is due to like just poor lifestyle and stuff like that let's say someone with a constantly like sore lower back then they don't train they don't exercise they don't do any of that I often try and push them down the path of trying to figure out a way for them to get exercising because most people, you know, they do want to improve the health of their lifestyle and stuff, but they just don't really know how. 
So we have to get them ready for that. You know, once we've figured out that injury and once we've, you know, we've, we've reduced the pain, it's like, okay, well, what, where do you want to go in terms of your exercise? What can we do? And we have to expose their body to that. So with runners, for example, a nice easy one is the couch to 5k because it's a nice structured slow progressive program that uh, exposes the tendon to kind of gradual forces and it allows them to adapt so this is probably where people like i said get um, most injuries from when they when, they're, when their training is incorrect and they put too much too soon into it so runners like oh you know what 10 years ago i ran a 10k i'll, I'll just go and do a 5 or a 10k but fortunately that that tendon isn't isn't used to those forces and that's when it reacts so yeah, I do try and get people um, ready for ready for that, um, and also you know as part of their kind of like stages of rehab, I'm going to be exposing them to like you know some sort of like strength work as well, which is also going to help that those tendons and and the muscles adapt to those forces, which will put them in you know a better position to kind of do some exercise. Hmm. I mean, this, this is a a very broad question, but what 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 and again very context specific, what changes from an acute to a chronic injury? So say you get someone coming with a, an acute sports injury, they've taken a tackle badly or yeah. something in that capacity versus someone, as you say, who's got that more chronic pain that might be due to lifestyle or um, their training potentially. I mean, they, they normally present really differently. Um, so if you've got a big fat swollen ankle because someone's just rolled it and it's highly painful, can barely, barely weight bear. Well, firstly, we need to rule out the big things, you know, some fractures and, and stuff like that. And then we need to figure out how we're going to get out of this inflammatory phase really quickly. So we have to just follow the principles that we know that works, you know, like uh, we need to protect it. We need to get them kind of like backing away from loading it to start with straight away. We need to try and control that swelling with some compression. Um, and then we've got to figure out, you know, over the next 24 to 48 hours what we're going to be doing other than that the next stage will be getting them to load it early as much as we can get them to do some basic active range of motion exercises and try and get that range back as as quickly as possible that looks completely different to someone that then comes in with you know i've had this shoulder pain um for the last six months it's keeping me up at night you know i'm pretty sure that happened when i started swimming quite a lot um, I can't take my arm behind my back. I can't undo my bra strap. I can't raise my arm out to the side. Well, cool. We've got to figure out what's happening there. We've got to rule out again the red flags just to make sure anything's, you know, everything's safe to kind of kick on. Um, and then we've got to figure out what we can do to improve that. So normally in those sorts of cases, we don't really want to protect it straight away. We want to figure out what we can do to load the area and get that stronger and desensitized. And when I say desensitized, that's just because you know, if they can't move their shoulders because that nervous system is literally telling us that there's a threat there. So therefore it's causing the pain. So we've got to find ways that we can help that. And, you know, in those early, early cases that let's say shoulder pain and it's a tendon issue, they love isometrics. Isometrics are where we get contractions that load the tendon without too much movement. And they're great painkillers for tendons. And then we get a bit more range from that. So then we get a bit more of a buy-in. Then we're trying to figure out other ways that we can try and restore that range and also get that tendon loaded without causing a, a big problem there. So it's, it's a balancing act in those cases. It's like we've just got to give enough to, for it to respond, but not too much where we make it kind of a detrimental experience for them. Hmm. No, certainly. I suppose it, make, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, really, that yeah, that, that acute injury is kind of first stage is to, to deal with the obvious issues, it be it swelling or or kind of cutting someone right back to like do not load it <laughs> and versus like you then have the say the chronic issue that someone that's been dealing with something for a long time and then it's like actually we you're kind of 
in the, for the most part probably still functional daily life but we need to work out like why this has happened and um mm-hmm. like if someone gets hit by a car it's obvious what happened like yeah. but if obviously it's something chronic and it's been there for a long time it can be a i can, I can imagine it can be a lot harder to, to work out like potentially what's going yeah. on yeah because like with a sprained ankle you know someone just rolled it because they jumped up for a header and they landed on someone else's foot it's probably not lifestyle factors um that's caused that it's probably just one of those freak accidents that we can then say look it's based on either a grade one grade two or grade three it's probably going to take either four weeks six weeks eight weeks ten weeks whatever right it's quite it's quite it's a lot easier basically dealing with acute issues in that in that sense when we've got this chronic issue well what's happened what are you doing you know everything from your lifestyle your sleep your stress what's been going on here and I've definitely found over the years that these are really, really hard to kind of estimate how long they're going to take because you've also got the buy-in of, of the client as well. You've got to, you know, how much are they going to listen to you? How much are they going to be responding in terms of their rehab themselves? And you know, sometimes you get these people coming with shoulder issues and I, I fix them very early on. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but it, it's one of those things and you've got to set expectations. You can't promise them the world. You've got to let them know that there's going to be hiccups along the way, especially when you expose them to new things, because we don't know how it's going to react. And it's all a balancing act. It's, you know, we've got to just get that right. And um, once we have their buy-in and once they have the trust, you know, it's, it's generally a pretty positive experience. But you don't know which way it's going to go. Not always. I was going to say, to that end, do you, do you, do you, have you ever struggled with um, someone in a chronic pain situation where they've potentially gone through a few different therapists and physios um, and they then sort of ended up on your kind of doorstep, if you like. How 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 have you have you ever had that experience and had to sort of deal with someone who has a misplaced or, or just mistrust potentially of of therapists as a whole? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for people to come in for a second opinion or a third opinion, or they've been seeing people and they haven't got you know any results. And again, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, I'm sure people have come away from me and then gone to see other people because you're not going to fix everything and you you know you're going to try your way of fixing this issue and sometimes you know the human body is a really complex structure it's fantastic at adapting but you know it's not you know i'll put my hands up i don't fix everything it's it's impossible to do that and i'll be lying to and, and saying that i did so they're going to you know you're going to see i'm going to see different people that have seen other other therapists and stuff but it's an opinions game it's the way that they've assessed it maybe it hasn't worked for them, I'm going to try my way. And you've got to, again, just follow the principles of, you know, the way that I treat, I want to listen, I want to try and build that trust. And I want to explain to them as much as I can why it might not have worked, in my opinion, but what we're going to try differently to help with that. And um, I think the more honest you are with that sort of stuff, the more you can build the trust. And I think that the, the clients, the patients, they kind of respect that. I think that's a good, a good point to make. And I don't think it's as black as white as just like got a problem do this to fix it i think you have to account for the fact that yeah there's a there's an interpersonal aspect to therapy to coaching whereby you kind of have to get along with the the you kind of have to not necessarily agree 100 percent on things you don't even have to be like friend friends necessarily it's kind of you just have to you have to be on common ground with with someone that you're going to be working with in order to achieve the best results because say if you don't that level of trust is not there to begin with Mm -hmm. therapy treating someone in any respect is a million times harder and in in all like in all seriousness you're probably not gonna help them as much because you're just not gonna get on with them potentially and i think call it placebo or whatever but that has a huge if someone doesn't trust you that has a huge implications for their ability to recover and move past something 
Yeah, the, you know, the trust one is a big one. They've got to have a positive experience. If they don't, you know, that's it's the whole negative side that's, you know, reinforcing their already, you know, wavering kind of a judgment on you. So, yeah, building that trust is, is massive. Mm. Bit of a different sort of um, question now, but what, like, where do you see, so the, the benefits, the maybe the, the kind of drawbacks of more active versus kind of passive strategies within a kind of rehab therapy setting? Yeah. I mean, they both have, they both play their parts. They both have a role. Um, but I think that the more we can kind of get people doing their own stuff, um, the more it kind of, it, you know, hands over the responsibility to them. And it's all to do with, you know, us guiding the process. What I don't want is people to come in and, um, you know, just not expect to sit on the couch, get mobilized, get treated that way. And it's all down to us. And, you know, when's the magic going to happen? Um, the active stuff it's fantastic for keeping that full kinetic chain going so for example if you're early weight bearing through the foot you know after an ankle sprain and you're getting that foot down you're not going you're going to have you know ankle moving the knee moving the hip and it's obviously going to stimulate that nervous system which can often really you know, really help versus just mobilizing one of their joints in the ankle so you know we do both but um we try and get people moving as much as we can we try and get them doing the exercise as much as we can because um you know it's certainly a, a way more positive outcome when we when we involve both you know i certainly used to be way more of a hands-on just a passive sort of guy because you know that's that's what university taught us you know rest from the activity what can we do we can mobilize we can massage we can use modalities such as ultrasound or electrotherapy and it's down to us to kind of fix that issue well actually it's not it's you know you've got to dive deeper into the injury and the surrounding areas of that the subjective side of it what's been happening you know then getting them to kind of like you know okay how do we how do we keep you squatting when you've got that you know painful hip what can we do to tweak that and then giving them exercises to do and on the back of that i try and keep it as simple as possible so give them one thing to do and then they're way more likely to have a buy-in so yeah i think a combination of both the active and the passive stuff but we try and gear our treatments to um to the you know area of active as much as possible that's an interesting point you made as well in terms of like giving someone one thing to do because obviously i feel like and I've certainly had experience of this in the past with um, kind of like therapists, physios that I, I go see a physio and I get a printout of 10 plus exercises that I need to be doing. Um, and I maybe do two of them. <laughs> like, so it's kind of, it, I suppose it's that difference between getting someone to do, to, to kind of do something with real intention behind it versus just here's a load of things that, probably you're not going to do anyway and then we're going to see lackluster results off the back of that like where do you obviously you, you've sort of said said that's kind of the approach you take like what what benefits do you see to that well i'll tell you what it's, it's quite easy sometimes when i'm dealing with the gym goer because they, like let's say for example we've got um an irritated shoulder well okay they're going to the gym four times a week well two of those sessions are going to be posterior chain um and we can just amend what they're doing um, and then we can have uh you know a, a modified upper body put session where it might be like okay well, we can get some horizontal pulling in as well but we're going to stay away from the painful stuff so actually even though that's they see that as their training that's actually contributing to the rehab itself and then i might give them one specific exercise to do so let's say for example i want to see a little bit more upward rotation in that scapula on the right side well, I'll give them one exercise to go after that. And that hopefully will have a nice little carryover. But without them knowing, they're already doing the rehab in terms of their posterior chain stuff, their pulling work, which is going to be for the shoulder. Um, 
but again, I think that one exercise done well is is much better than you know giving them giving them eight, eight exercises done poorly. So I'd rather than focusing on one thing and have that buy. And I think when you overcomplicate things, that's when it gets overcomplicated for them, and they're way less likely to, to kind of be on board with what you're asking. Which I suppose this all comes back then to that idea of talking to them, listening, understanding everything you can in terms of like how that injury came about themselves all the kind of the the personal aspects that go into that because that that then lets you choose that one exercise that's gonna affect the change in them versus giving them the very kind of shotgun approach here's a load of exercises you might do some of them you might not kind of thing yeah yeah i, I guess so in them um, you've got to understand you know your client as much as you can and figuring out what's going to work for them you know you've quickly got to figure out that actually you know, giving them whatever three exercises and it's going to end up taking 25 minutes during the day they're not going to do it what can you do that's going to match their lifestyle um and help help them you know one of the hardest things is you know when people have got lower back issues and they are sat at a desk all the time and they have a painful back when they're sat at the desk all the time but they still don't really want to move because once you get tied down into work it's really difficult so what else can you do outside of that that's going to make them uh, respond in a positive way so yeah it's all down on, down to an individual uh, basis really mm. so next like in terms of we've obviously you, you've brought this up in in kind of a couple of different ways so far but where do you see so the role of I'm going to call it more traditional kind of strength conditioning principles within the rehab process. Obviously this is something that you've kind of brought up and seems like it's a huge part of what you, you do. Like, where do you, where do you see the, that role? Well, I think that it still plays a massive role in terms of traditional rehab, but what, where I've learned and been exposed to kind of like uh, the training side of it, you just, you've got way more in your arsenal now. So at university dealing with a patellofemoral pain it might have been you know some just isolated quad work well how else can we expose that knee to to load and how else can we get that quad quadricep group stronger well understanding you know how to train a muscle group based on like rep reps frequencies and sets and stuff but also how what sort of movements target that quad group it just makes you um you know you have way more at your disposal to kind of target that group you know so i know now i now have so many more ways to target a, a quad group or a knee issue than i ever did at university just because i've been exposed to kind of more traditional ways of, of strength training and stuff and it's normally to do the accessory work we've got big old uh, variations in the squat we've got the front squat the back squat goblet squat we've got the single arm overhead squat we've got overhead squat we've got heel elevated squat it's like understanding what can we what exercise there is probably going to help us towards our goal Whereas we, I definitely wasn't exposed to that at university because it was just like, okay, we'll just go after these, small, you know, maybe just some banded knee extensions. Well, why? Why can we not get them doing the other stuff as well? And therefore, it's just going to be a little bit more functional, if you like, because their whole, you know, body's working as well. Mm. So it's just, you know, increase the the arsenal that I have at my hands, really. So yeah, I suppose that comes back to always trying to move them towards being. Or, or going back to what they were doing before so it's kind of like the idea of like in, involving the entire kinetic chain mm -hmm. in in something versus isolating it but then what what instances do you see where maybe isolating a muscle isolating a pattern isolating a specific element where do you see that playing in 
oh, there's still a role for that as well. So, you know, let's go post ACL um, issue. And we've got massive atrophy to the quads group. Well, okay, let's get them squatting. Let's get them trying to load up that way. Um, so we'll, we'll go after, you know, some bilateral stuff and then we'll go after some single leg stuff as well, because there's, you know, obviously a deficit there. But then maybe let's finish it off with some accessory work where we can just target that quadriceps group where we really get you know isolated fatigue for that area. So that's when we might go to you know banded knee extension stuff. It's still a great way to build hypertrophy, muscular endurance, um, specifically if we're going after those one that one group. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because that's where maybe it because I think traditionally kind of physiotherapy is like it is that isn't it it's 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 that kind of idea of oh cool we're gonna this is the weak area so we're gonna isolate this area yeah. and i suppose that still has a place i think it's kind of one of those things that as new new understanding comes out as kind of people evolve and and update their their practice they can sometimes throw out the old things and it's like well actually yeah. those those old things probably still have their place you said like the massage for example still has its place doesn't yeah. just because you found something that's new and and better for yeah. kind of inverting like sort of whatever there but yeah. i suppose there's always a place for something and it, it's understanding that these are all just tools aren't they to achieve a certain outcome and it's yeah. it's say, similar in snc in a sort of strength conditioning perspective people get very caught up in exercises and very caught up in like this is the best thing for this and it's like well they're all just tools they all achieve an outcome and that outcome is very specific to obviously an individual and their kind of circumstance so it's it's finding the the right tool for the job and not just using a hammer because that's all you've got i yeah. think i suppose isn't it yeah absolutely um the more tools you have at your disposal the you know you know the more variation you have in your treatment methods for sure and um you can get lazy you can be like you know like one thing treats all but it's not going to work in the end and um you have to keep on top of that sort of stuff and keep trying to um, refine your tools, really. Like, you know, figure that sort of stuff out and keep learning. Um, and the more you have at your disposal, you know, when you do come up against, um, you know, difficult kind of injuries that aren't really, you know, they're being a bit more problematic, well, then try something else. And then you've got, you know, another option there and then maybe that will work. So, yeah, absolutely. Having more more to play with always helps. Mm. So thinking in terms of like, uh, from performance perspective versus more of like a general health perspective mm -hmm. so maybe you, you could almost say like the general population stuff versus the athletes if you like or people yeah. who are chasing performance in some aspect in training or otherwise like w when do you try to fix a compensation pattern versus working around that compensation pattern i think when um when I find, if I find a conversation that I think, you know, is happening, I'm always going to try and improve it because I want to figure out why that's happening. Um, you know, for example, a conversation might be when they're going into a lunge, they end up straightening the knee first to bail out because they're probably weak through the quads and then they, up, they end up like, you know, extending the hip a bit more. Okay, well, there's clearly a bit of a, a weakness there because the quads aren't able to sustain that weight and drive up there. So it might be like, you know what, I'll definitely see if we can try and improve that um, because the left looks way different to the right. The left one looks stable. It looks like it's comfortable. It looks like it can absorb the load and drive out quite easily. Whereas the right one drops in, you know, it bails out. It compensates by shooting that hip up first to avoid the quads or whatever. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that I want to improve because I'm always trying to basically make things pretty symmetrical as much as possible um, and to make sure that both sides and you know each area is able to tolerate the loads um, equally. Mm. 
I think it's interesting as well because when you think about that in, in some sports in some performance aspects like compensations actually improve performance don't they so i think like a, a swimmer for example swimmers yeah. for, for the most part are going to have pretty kind of extraordinary ranges of motion at their shoulder and they're going to be sort of fairly lax in that response in that respect um power lifters for example are going to have probably incredibly tight around their hips because yeah. that contributes very much so to to the sport like yeah. what's that balance you see between health versus performance as a therapist? Yeah. And like the sprinter, you know, they're not going to have massively flexible and uh, mobile joints at their ankle, are they? So do I want to change that? Probably not. No, why, why would I need to? It's, it's normally if there's a painful area that I think can improve. And if we try and improve that, the pain subsides. So that's where I'd be, I'd be looking because everyone is different. I don't go off the standard model of, you know, the human body should work like this. I'm just looking at the individual. And really, I'm trying to look at does one side differ from the the other and if that one does differ is it worse and how do we get that one better so majority of the time if someone you know the way they walk the way they run i don't really want to change that if that's the way that they are it's just normally if there's pain involved and stuff like that so um yeah and and perhaps maybe i'd want to change someone that might be suffering with a you know achy neck achy shoulder when they sat at a desk all day and i figured out that they're pretty stiff through their back shoulder and stuff like that but that's I, all i really want to do there is vary movement and as a side effect they probably will end up being a bit more mobile in their upper back and shoulders and stuff so that's probably gonna have a nice little carryover but the power lifter for example yeah maybe they do have tight hips but as long as they've got the range of motion to get to that parallel level that they need to in competition there's no need to change that and that's obviously going to give them the tightness and the spring and the recoil to get out of that anyway so mm. yeah that, that, that's probably that's probably the difference no certainly I'd, I'd agree fully with with that kind of sentiment that yeah like when it becomes then a limiter be it pain or otherwise in terms of their their health or their longevity within the sport because ultimately you're trying to make athletes be able to play for for years and years not kind of like the short-term Mm. improvements i suppose that's where it, that's where it comes in isn't it where it's like this might be something that's beneficial to your sport but it's having negative impacts and will continue to have negative impacts and potentially like shorten your career so i suppose it's that it's that balance isn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah um and again if someone's been you know towards the end of their career you know and they've got a certain way of moving it's unlikely you're going to change too much there you know it's a big old lifestyle change if they're going to make those big changes anyway so it's down to them mm. so thinking current affairs now i mean touch wood with this i think we're just about over kind of covid and it's starting to get back to normal but how is this period kind of how have you guys adapted to that because obviously it's led to big changes across the sports industry as a whole but mm -hmm. physiotherapy is certainly one that's had a large impact on I mean, the first three months we had to completely shut up shop. So we had to go completely virtually, um, which, you know, worked for us anyway, because, you know, we, we're not as hands-on as what maybe I would have been, you know, at the start of my career, like I said. So let's say, for example, you're a new consultation and you're telling me about your shoulder issue you've had because you've just started doing a lot of burpees. Well, I'm going to figure out ways that we can keep you training which is what you want to do we're going to figure out why it might have occurred in the first place so it's probably because you've ended up doing 100 burpees per day and overloaded that tendon and then um it's having a look at how you move so we can see how you, you're doing what you're doing on the screen we can find ways where we can load that shoulder that's going to help help with you kind of uh respond well to the injury so 
it doesn't necessarily mean, need me to get hands on and mobilize that joint or whatever. It's, it's a symptom modification. It's, it's, it's the way that we modify your training. So that worked actually quite well. It wasn't easy, but it obviously did because um, I think a lot of people didn't see the value in the virtual consults as well, but quite a lot of people did. So we were able to do that. And then once we opened up again, it was just a case of it was changing all the time. You can't touch people. Yes, you can. If you try and do it this way, but okay, look, we'll do our very best. We open the clinics and it's just basically been, you know, um, okay since, since going in. And certainly since the new year, it's just gone crazy again. You know, people, people really, really value their exercise and training. So it's, it's actually been like quite a good thing that we've been able to carry on working in, even during lockdown and stuff. So everyone um, in the got the uh, running bug, didn't they? we saw a lot of that for sure and that's one of the things that we were trying to get out is like look just be just be slow with it and be be progressive but obviously we saw a lot saw a lot of that and tendon issues certainly because of that so um yeah i mean we it feels like we're out of it now or getting out of it you know and certainly with everyone going back to the gym back to their training you know i'm I'm in my work environment here and it's pretty full on Mm -hmm. um it feels very normal so yeah it feels like we're out of it which is a good thing but um been somewhat normal for a while now i think this is going to spell any changes for either yourself and injury active or the, the industry as a whole going forward for those people that just treat hands-on that would have been a really really tough existence for them in the first three months they would have completely struggled to do anything hopefully that will then encourage them to learn a little bit more about you know managing people uh, their training loads understanding a bit more about training and the fact that you can help people that way um so people perhaps in that group might um and you know previous to lockdown anyway i did have an option for virtual appointments anyway because i was getting requests from the us and um you know around the world so it was not a huge that sounds you know like we were just uh, inundated with lots of um, appointments from around the world but it was the occasional one so i was like oh why not i can help people online i can see what's going on so that was always an option there it's something that we'll carry on as as a group, as a as a company. Um, it's not as obviously popular as the the, the in person ones, but it's definitely something that we're going to carry on um, and offer in that. And then we launched our kind of performance program um, a little bit more in um, in during lockdown as well. So I realised that actually this came on the back of dealing with a client that really wasn't you know she had a chronic neck C spine issue. And I felt I felt like, you know, I just needed to get her moving a bit more, which would often uh, improve that sort of situation. And she'd come in for treatment. Then she wouldn't do anything for two weeks. Then I'd see her again and we wouldn't get much progress. So I ended up saying to her, look, I want you to follow this program. I'm going to program for you five days a week. And it allowed me to do some pulling work, some opening, closing of the you know T-spine and stuff like that. And she was on a just a kind of a monthly thing with me and the results were huge. So all of her neck pain disappeared. She was compliant. She's actually now exercising. She's doing like, you know, um, rounds of 500 meter on the rower. She's going for kind of long distance walk. She's doing strength work. And that's something then that I've kind of pushed on a little bit more with Interactive. So we have, you know, a certain amount of people that are doing that as well. Um, and, you know, one of them is coming back from complete chronic pain um, where she's from the age of like 16. Uh, and she's now in her 30. She hasn't been able to walk for more than a, a half an hour. She's now running 10K, which is amazing. And that's based on that program as well. And it's obviously an individual program. Um, I've obviously got the C-spine client that's doing well. I've got someone and two people that are, you know, after a little bit more performance-based. So they want one wants a bit more aesthetics and one 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 uh, is on it because 
you know, she just wants to improve the way that she looks, her performance and her strength numbers. And, you know, she she came to see me with a back issue. So I'm able to kind of manage both. So I'm able to manage you know, what she's doing in her training. I'm full on, you know, programming for that and, and keeping her safe. So even though she's got an injury, we're able to train and make progress. And now the injury's gone, we're able to push on even more. So that sort of stuff, I'll be pushing more even so. so. Do you see that starting to filter in in the industry as a whole, kind of that like almost one-stop shop type approach where you you almost have all these different elements under one one roof to to truly offer a holistic service to to a client? Yeah, there's loads of ways that you can go down into this. Um, and, uh, you know, with Injury Active, we're hoping to kind of expand that for sure in the future we are looking at um, other other ways that we can help people and involve get their kind of training involved in kind of injury active side of it as well rather than just being a center for people to come and get their injuries fixed there's so much more variation that we can kind of tap into here and and offer our expect expertise to help people and that and obviously my experience of having a gym for seven years uh, and a group class gym you know that's definitely going to kind of like come into play i think it's the only thing that makes sense like long term within yeah within the kind of the private sector of of health and performance like it's the only thing that makes sense to 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 have that shift towards and it doesn't just have to be an individual that can do everything as you say it could be like yourselves where you have a a business structure built up to to be able to facilitate that that kind of ability to offer people more than just come here and get your injury fixed yeah i mean i remember when i opened the the gym and then i had the sports injury clinic interactive upstairs and it was like uh yeah people just like jokingly with me saying that, you know, it's a trap, you know, we're creating the business for ourselves, get people injured and then put them up there. But it's just part and parcel of exercise. You know, any sport, there's obviously, there's always a risk. You always got problems, you know, it's never going to be completely risk-free where you're not going to pick up injuries. So create this center where people can work on what they love, improve their fitness, manage their stress, train and all sorts. And then if they do pick up injuries, if they do want kind of areas or help to improve the way that they move and get better with the movement, we're there on, on site as well to help with that. So it's this kind of like multi kind of fasted approach to people's exercise, which I think works really well. Off the back of that, what, what's like the, what's the five-year plan for Injury Active? Where, where do you want to kind of move it to? I mean, yeah, we unfortunately, like I haven't, you know, in January, we had to close down the gym because of the whole COVID situation. It just didn't, you know, work out and uh, realized it was going to be such a, a long way back to recover from. But that then allowed me to kind of put way more energy back into Injury Active and it's had a lovely positive response on that. So we've definitely, you know, probably in the one year of being in COVID, probably improved by about three years in terms of everything from our brand to our marketing and stuff. So then at the moment, we're just trying to consolidate. We're just trying to catch our breath. You know, we pulled through this hard um, time, you know, with all clinics still there and we're busier than ever in certainly two of the clinics. Um, the next stage for us, look, maybe it is something that combines both the gym and the clinic side of things. You know, we haven't quite, uh, you know, committed to anything yet, but I'm at the drawing board, you know. I've got a, a weekend planned away with actually one of my best friends who's who also in a business. We're going to go away for a weekend just along the coast and just literally have a weekend of just brainstorming, you know, spending a day on his business and spending a day on my business. And, you know, that getting those ideas out and trying to figure stuff out, you know, helps a lot. Yeah. Was it the Bill Gates approach, isn't it? Just lock yourself in a, yeah. in a hotel room or whatever for 
Oh, he reads it. Yeah, he reads it all, you know, all weekend and so, forth, and so forth. But I'll be doing less of that and more just brainstorming. Lots of coffee, lots of kind of just ideas floating around, what works, what doesn't, and just a bit of research that way. Which I think is it's interesting. I think it's, it, it's one of those things that, and I'm a big believer of this personally, that if you're not trying to innovate, if you're not trying to move forward, then you're just stagnating. And I could think of nothing worse, sort of personally, professionally, as a business owner yourself, like, you kind of have to be you're looking to evolve i suppose and and covid maybe even a catalyst for that i think it's been a catalyst for a lot of people because it's suddenly every, lots of people within the industry had a hell of a lot of free time on their hands and it's given them the opportunity to like similar to, to yourselves like expand think what's actually okay how can we how can we get better how can we move forward with this and yeah. actually build something off the back of this rather than kind of like cool can we just try and get back to where we were it's yeah. like actually how can we take five steps beyond that which is absolutely yeah absolutely i'm always looking to kind of see what else we can do and improve the service that we offer um and yeah we'll see what the future holds and maybe uh 2021 and stuff will be exciting for us yeah yeah definitely so last thing then like where can where can people find you where can people find injury active yeah, we probably, you know, our website, we've had a bit of a revamp over the last year, um, injuryactive.com. Um, we, we have like some resources pages there for runners, for back pain sufferers and stuff like that. You can get, get to find out a little bit more about our team and also book online. But all of our kind of, um, you know, videos that we, we put up, our content is all on our social media page. So we mainly chuck out so much on uh, uh, Instagram. So you can find us at injuryactive. And that's where we're at. Cool. Get, well, I'll get all that linked down in the... Uh in the show notes um whereabouts so sorry if you could whereabouts are you actually based in terms of like the clinics if people are interested yeah we've got central cambridge so we're on inside station on station road inside of WeWork. Uh, we've got a clinic inside of there we're also in south cambridge so in sawston which is only 10 minutes away and then further down we're in saffron warden inside of a gym called just gym and then further down the m11 bishop's Norfolk inside of a gym called the rig so that's where you can find us and i have personally had experienced obviously your your services and 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 been been in sort of the hands of your 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 guys and yeah been probably best flight therapy type service i've ever ever had in terms of like um just the the level of service and then they say like the the holistic package of it it's not just a case of like going in and getting massage and yeah you you kind of find yourself six months down the line not really any further along the the rehab process so yeah, yeah if anybody's um if anybody is injured like it's probably one of the better places to go and check out yeah good to hear mate good to hear thank um, you um yeah thanks for making some time today it's uh, been 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 cool to chat yeah mate likewise and uh, thanks for having me no worries okay guys that's it for another episode thanks for listening check below for all the relevant links and notes from today's episode or search for us on social media at apex delta coaching One quick thing before you go, if you want to get stronger and build a solid foundation to improve on in the future, then check out the eight-week general strength training program we have released in the link below. This program focuses on the big movement patterns across four weekly training sessions to make you a stronger, more capable athlete while still feeling good at the same time. If you're interested, follow the link down in the show notes to get all the details or search for our Instagram to find out more about this. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review or let us know personally. Any and all feedback is greatly appreciated and it helps to grow this podcast further. Thanks for listening, keep training and talk soon.